0: Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Communion Sunday, july seventh, twenty thirteen. Today's message is titled Becoming Like Christ, the inner life out of which our fruit comes by Pastor Ryan Cochrane and is based on Scripture Philippians chapter three verses seven to fourteen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do give you thanks for your word that still speaks to us. It is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword able to pierce our hearts. We pray, God, that it would do that today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it's somewhat hard for me to believe as I've been thinking this past week about um, the announcement that I made last week and uh, realizing that uh, I've preached about 350 sermons from this pulpit it's pretty hard for me to imagine that that is true. And I've been thinking uh, about the last couple of months. What is it that God wants to say uh, to you uh, through me over these next couple of months? And so I was talking a lot with the staff about it, asking them what they thought I should say, uh, asking my wife and a few others, you know, what, what is it I should preach on? And um, Isaac and I had this idea that maybe I should do kind of Ryan's Greatest Hits, um, you know, kind of take the seven or eight sermons over the last uh, nine years and, and try to find, um, you know, really the, the best ones or something. And I, I'm kind of taking a variation on that theme. And I'm not going to just take the seven or eight sermons that I like the best. But what I want to do and is, is really think about what is it that God has taught me over the last eight or nine years? And what do I think that God has been teaching Ebenezer over the last eight or nine years. And I've done that this week by reading through a bunch of my old sermons and uh, looking through a bunch of the different topics that I've preached on over the years, reading through some of my own journal, uh, thinking about the things that God has taught me and has been teaching Ebenezer. And so over the next few weeks, I want to take some of the different topics or the different themes that I believe God's Spirit has been uh, speaking to me in my own heart and has been speaking to us as a congregation over these last eight or nine years. Many of you probably remember that when I first came here to Ebenezer, that I wasn't hired first as a senior pastor. Those of you who have come in the last six or seven years may not know that, but I wasn't hired to be the senior pastor. I first came here as the pastor of spiritual formation. And so for the first year and a half or so, I served as a pastor of spiritual formation, and my role was to focus on adult education and discipleship and leadership development. And during those couple years, I did a lot of thinking and reading about discipleship and about how we, as Christians, are formed into Christ-likeness. How we are formed into Christ-likeness. And during that time, and I think a lot over the last years, one of the things that I've come to a deeper understanding about and have tried to communicate to you through my preaching is the importance of paying attention to our inner life First paying attention to our inner life first, rather than our outer, public, visible life. Our own life before God, our own heart before God, is to be our first priority as believers. And so this week I want us to look at the importance of our attention to our hearts, our attention to our inner life, and the work that God does in our hearts to make us more like Jesus. Throughout the Bible, and especially in Jesus' own teachings, there is a strong emphasis on this truth that our outward actions, our reactions to circumstances, our reactions to people, all of these outward behaviors that we have in our life are a result of the content of our heart, are a result of what's going on on the inside. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verses 43. Through 45. Uh, Chris did not know that this was a verse that I was going to be going to today, but his children's uh, talk prepared us very well. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. In this verse, Jesus teaches us that the character of a person is recognized by the outer fruit of that person's life. Chris asked, "Uh, how do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? Well, it has apples on it. Uh, How do you know if a person is Christ-like? Well, they exhibit Christ-like behaviors. But that Christ-like behavior comes not from trying real hard to make sure our outward behaviors look like Christ." Christ-like behavior begins in the heart. It is the overflow of our heart that produces our behavior. And our temptation as a Christian is to focus our attention on that outer, visible part that everyone else sees. Because we are recognized, because people judge us by our outward behavior— We are tempted to focus our energy and our time on managing our outward appearance, managing our outward behavior so that we will be perceived by other people in a certain way. And we do this quite a lot in the church, maybe at church more than we do at any other place in our lives. In the church, I don't know about you, but I think I am guilty of changing my behavior at church, or when we're around church people in order to satisfy the expectations that we think the people at church have on us. We tend to put a lot of energy into looking like a Christian. Put a lot of energy into looking like a Christian. If you want to take your bulletin with me, I changed the title of my sermon on Friday after the bulletin was printed. You can cross out that second part And the title of this sermon is actually, Stop Looking Like a Christian. Stop trying to look like a Christian. We do this in a lot of ways. We try to look like a Christian. We do this by the way that we talk to one another. We have churchy language we use when we're at church, Christianese that we use with one another. Certain words and phrases that we use that we would never use out talking to people in our neighborhood. We do this by the way that we sometimes hide our emotions, hide the things that are going on in our hearts. Sometimes there's this very wrong and I think very dangerous notion in the church that Christians should always be happy. And so we come to church and we're afraid to express our disappointments afraid to share that we may be struggling with depression or frustration or anger with God. We tend to try to look like a Christian by the way that we hide our sin. Some of us come to church with a heavy burden of our own sin, of our own mistakes, of our own disobedience to God, and we're very good at hiding that sin, afraid that anyone Would ever find out about it. We're very good at hiding that sin when we need to become very good at confessing it. So, the title of this sermon this morning is Stop Trying to Look Like a Christian. The goal of the Christian life is not not to look like a Christian. The goal of the Christian life is not to be able to act in a certain way and to talk in a certain way and to be perceived by other people in a certain way. The goal of the Christian life is for our hearts, our inner self, that our hearts would be transformed to be like the heart of Jesus and that out of that heart good fruit would come. Good fruit would come not only in our work and service at the church, but good fruit would come in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. A couple years ago, when preaching on a similar topic, I wrote a parable. It was a parable about two vineyard owners, and I want to tell that parable again to you today. The kingdom of God is like two vineyard owners— The first vineyard owner bought an old and mature vineyard and during the first year, he had a tremendous crop of grapes. He sat back and he enjoyed the large crop of grapes and earned quite a bit of money from them, but he did not water his vines, he did not fertilize them, he did not prune them, he did not do the work of a vineyard owner. The second year. He also had a good crop of grapes, but not quite as good as the year before. By the third year, he had just a few grapes, and the fourth year produced less, and by the tenth year, that vineyard produced no grapes at all. The vineyard owner looked at his vineyard and became very embarrassed, and he thought, I know what I will do. And he went out, and he bought a bunch of grapes, and he bought a bunch of string and he tied the grapes to all of his vines so that the people around him wouldn't look at him and see what a poor vineyard owner he really was. The second vineyard owner was not like the first. He bought a very new vineyard, a very young vineyard. And the second vineyard owner planted his seeds in good soil, and he gave them the proper amount of water and the proper amount of fertilizer. And in the first year, he had no grapes at all but he continued to do the same thing. In the second year, he still had no grapes at all, but he continued to do the same things. He did the work of a vineyard owner. He watered the ground. He gave it the proper amount of fertilizer. He put good, rich compost all around these small growing vines, and he waited. And he continued every day and every year to consistently do the work of a vineyard owner eventually pruning the vines as they grew, until one year his crop of grapes was the largest crop in the whole valley. For some of us, our Christian life seems to amount to tying grapes onto a dead grapevine. We know that inwardly our hearts are not open to God. Inwardly we know that we do not love our neighbors. We would prefer to spend our time and our energy and our money on ourselves and our own pleasures rather than the things of God. But at the same time, we have this church community in our life that is important to us and that we're not willing to give up. People around us who are important to us, who we admire and who we look up to and who we want to, We want them to think well of us, and we also probably remember a time in our life when we were spiritually alive, when our hearts were open to God, and when we did desire to pour our time and our energy and our resources into God's work. And because of these people around us, and because of perhaps this distant memory of an alive spiritual life, we continue to come to church. Each Sunday, we get up and we tie up our grapes on our old grapevine and we come to church and we act and we pretend. Our energy goes into looking like a Christian when the truth is, in reality, our hearts and minds are far away from God. We do not seek him in our lives. We have not opened his word to seek his direction for weeks, months, maybe years. We've stopped praying, except perhaps routinely around the meal table. Our spiritual life becomes religious work as we go through the motions and the routines and we do the really hard work of tying up these grapes to our old dead grapevines for one more week. Friends, the Christian life is meant to be so much more than this. Life in Christ is the invitation to live by the power of the Spirit who leads us into a life that is lived without fear. A life of true freedom from sin. It is a life that we are invited to live where we, in our inner being, are being transformed into people who know and love God and who love our neighbors. The promise of the Christian life is that we can, by the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, we can, as we make ourselves open to him, become like Jesus. We can become like him who lived a true life of freedom, free from fear, free from sin, and who lived a life in the knowledge and love of God and love of his neighbor. The promise of the Christian life is that the Holy Spirit is at work in us if we are open and willing to allow him to change us so that our hearts will produce real fruit. This is the Holy Spirit's goal in your life. In your present earthly life, the Holy Spirit is seeking to make you into the kind of person who routinely chooses to do the right thing, who routinely does what Jesus would do if he were in your place. The Spirit is working to change your inner character, your heart, so that you gladly and freely choose what is good and right. Just as Jesus freely and gladly chose to do what is good and right. For many of us, living the Christian life seems to become doing a bunch of things that we'd really rather not do and abstaining from a bunch of things that we'd really rather do. As we do battle with our flesh, sometimes we will have to begrudgingly resist sin. We really would like to do that thing, but. We have to resist it. But the Spirit's goal for us is to happily and freely resist sin and do what is right. And God is at work in us to change our inner heart so that we routinely and happily do what is good. This is the work that the Spirit wants to do in us. And for the rest of our time today, I want to talk very practically about how God goes about doing this work in our lives. I'm going to talk about three things that God uses to make us these kinds of people. The first thing that he uses is our confession of sin. Our confession of sin. Secondly, he uses the circumstances of our everyday life. And third, he uses our commitment to spiritual practices commitment to spiritual practices. He uses our confession of sin. He uses the circumstances of our everyday life. And he uses our commitment to spiritual practices. In our scripture today, in Philippians chapter 3, if you want to turn in your Bibles back there to Philippians chapter 3, Paul in this passage talks about his desire to become like Christ. In his life, he wants to know Christ and to experience the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus in his own life. This is what Paul wants to be like. He says, this is my vision. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. This is my goal. This is what I want to do. This is what I want my life to be like. And then in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained all this, Paul's goal is to become like Christ, and he knows that he has not yet obtained that goal. Paul knows that his life has not even come close to sharing in the full life and suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus. He falls short. He is imperfect. He has not made it yet. He is not yet fully like Christ. The first part the first step in becoming like Christ is admitting that we're not like Him yet. This is a journey, and we are all on our way, but we aren't there yet. This is confession, admitting that we are not very much like Jesus. But you and I tend to not do this confession thing very well, do we? I mean, of course, none of you in here today would say, you know, I'm perfect. We all admit that we are sinners, but we often do that in kind of a very vague and general way. If I asked you today, you'd say, I know I'm not perfect. I know that I'm a sinner. But we tend to not get very specific with ourselves, and we tend to not get very specific with other people about the ways that we are not quite like Jesus. When was the last time that you confessed your sin to another person for some of you the answer might be never you have never had the opportunity to do that in the evangelical churches i think we don't do confession very well but we need to admit that we all have some junk some sin in our lives in our evangelical bible believing churches i think we've become real experts at hiding our sin at managing our sin. We may or may not actually sin less than our neighbors, but we are much better at hiding it than they are. And too often we've made the Christian life into this exercise and living this outwardly acceptable lifestyle, this outwardly acceptable life to those around us, rather than people who are actually becoming like Jesus in our inner being. And so I think that what happens for many of us, I know that there were parts of my life where this happened, where I came to church, and all of us were tying grapes onto our grapevines, and I tied my grape onto my grapevines, and I looked around, and everyone seems that they've got pretty good grapes hanging from their grapevine, and so I knew that mine didn't look that good, and so I just hid it. I think that there's a lot of people that come to church doing that, tying their grapes up to their grapevine, and they look around, and everyone else has done the same, and so we look like a bunch of healthy grapevines, when really, we probably aren't. The truth is, the church is made up of broken and sinful people. People who are wounded, people who have addictions, people who are ashamed of things that they have done in their very distant past, maybe in their very recent past, and they're very ashamed And all of us need to come to a church community where in freedom we're able to say, not that I've already obtained all this. I am not very much like Jesus yet. And to be able to say that in a very specific, not just a general vague way, yes, I know I'm a sinner, yes, I know I'm not perfect, but in what ways is Jesus now trying to make me more like him? Over the years, I have a few people in my life for whom I can go to to confess my sin. In these relationships, I have freedom. In these relationships, I can be, as Genesis says, naked and unashamed. To know that I can say what I have done to these people, what is happening in me, and to not be shamed for it, But to be reminded of God's grace and to be reminded of the gospel, to be told Jesus forgives you by a brother or sister in Christ is one of the greatest gifts that the church offers. Jesus forgives you. Because sometimes we walk into sin and we can't imagine that that is true. But when we hear it from a brother or sister in Christ, Jesus forgives you. It is a great gift. It is a great gift. On our journey to becoming like Christ, one of the most important things that we need to be able to do in our Christian life is to have people in our life who are able to very freely say, I'm not very much like Jesus right now. Not that I have obtained all of this already. I haven't, and I need to tell you where Christ is working in me. The Christian life is not not about living an outwardly acceptable life so that others look at us and nod and think that's a nice person. The Christian life, true salvation, is about inwardly becoming like Jesus. And too often we are unwilling to do the hard work of tending to the character of our hearts. And we do the easier, but also very meaningless and pointless work of trying to look like a Christian. Not that we have obtained all this this is an important start for us. Confession is the first thing that God uses in our lives to make us like Jesus. A second thing that God uses in our lives is simply the circumstances of our everyday life. The circumstances of our everyday life. Of course, In our life, the Spirit also uses those mountaintop experiences that we've had. I've had those experiences. I hold on to those experiences, those moments where God was so real to me as if I could touch him. But those are rare. And God uses more often the circumstances of our everyday life to mold us and to shape us to become like Jesus. The book of James calls these the trials of our everyday life. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James begins his entire letter by teaching us this lesson, how God uses the trials of our everyday life to make us like Christ. James 1, verses 2 through 4. James begins his letter. Consider it pure Joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In our day-to-day lives, we face trials of many kinds. These trials aren't just, James isn't just talking about big trials, like being persecuted or something like that physically. He's talking about trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The daily trials of our life are what God uses to develop perseverance and maturity in us. What would it be like for you to understand that in your every moment, in your little trial or big trial that you're going through in your life right now, in every circumstance that God is there at that very point, in that very trial, using that trial, that circumstance, that difficult relationship to do a good work in you to make you more like Jesus? Think of something that you went through this past week, maybe something really small that got you angry and frustrated, maybe something very big, maybe an argument with your spouse, or maybe something very frustrating, like a a, a sleepless night. What would it be like for you in that moment to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit right there seeking to use that trial and that frustration for your good? to recognize that in that trial, small or big, that the Spirit is there seeking to develop perseverance in you, in your heart, to make you more like Jesus. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. For it is in those trials that God is at work to develop perseverance and maturity in us. We often see our trials. I often see my trials, my difficult relationships, whatever it is. I always see them as barriers to really serving and growing in God. I have this conflict with someone or this other nagging thing that's going on in my life, and I think, if only that thing wasn't there. If only that person wasn't in my life, if only I didn't have this job that took up so much of my time, if only this or that wasn't in my life, then I would be able to serve God better. Then I would be able to grow in Christ better. If only that thing wasn't there. But that is not what James says to us at all. He says it is that trial that we are to rejoice in because it is that trial, that very thing that God is using to develop Christ-likeness in you. The trial is not a barrier that is in the way so that you can get on to do the work of real spiritual growth. The trial is the thing that helps you to grow in Christ. In our everyday experiences, God is present with us seeking to develop Christ-likeness in you. In us, the Holy Spirit uses the everyday circumstances, the everyday trials of our life to make us more like Christ. The third thing that the Spirit uses to shape us into Christ likeness is our own commitment to practicing spiritual disciplines, our own commitment to certain spiritual practices. Turn with me to back to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and we hear Paul talking about this striving that he is doing to achieve this goal of knowing Christ and becoming like Christ. I'm going to read again verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this confession, or have already been made perfect but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Confession again. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Christ-likeness is our goal and it requires our effort and our energy the effort that is required to become like Christ is not the effort of managing our sin by tying grapes onto our dead grapevines the effort required is spiritual practices that form our hearts to be like the heart of Jesus a while back i used the illustration of teaching gloria how to throw a baseball do you remember that we've been out a, a few weeks in a row uh a couple weeks, every night, outside, and I would tell Gloria, okay, turn sideways, put your arm back, and step and throw. And I would say that over and over and over to her. Sideways, arm back, step, throw. And over time, if Gloria continues to do that action, she will become proficient at throwing a baseball. Over time, if Gloria continues to do that, throwing a baseball will become routine. I've thrown a baseball millions of times in my life, and I never, ever, ever, ever think sideways, arm, back, step, throw. I just never think that. Ever. Throwing a baseball has become a part of me. And if Gloria continues to practice and to think sideways, arm, back, step, throw, she will become like me in that she won't have to grit her teeth and try her hardest to do it. It will become a part of her. Spiritually, Likewise, we have been given certain practices that the Holy Spirit uses to make us proficient in holiness, to make us like Jesus. Scripture reading, prayer, attending corporate worship, fasting, times in silence, times of reflection on our life. These are spiritual practices, the spiritual equivalent to sideways, arm back, step, and throw. These are actions that Jesus himself did as he grew up spiritually. Spiritual disciplines are actions that will be used by the Spirit so that over time our nature will become more and more like Christ. Over time, holiness will less and less be something that we have to grit our teeth and try our hardest to do holiness will become more and more who we are. There will always be times for us to say, not that I've already obtained all this, I haven't fully taken grasp of this, but more and more holiness will become who we are. There are many different examples of spiritual disciplines, and as Jesus is our master and as we are his disciples, we can learn what things we should do simply by looking at his life. What did Jesus do? What were the regular and intentional practices in Jesus' life and the regular practices that he taught his disciples to do as well? Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and pay attention to the things that Jesus did and seek to put them in practice in your own life as well. Jesus fasted. Jesus often spent time in solitude. Jesus often spent time in silence away from other people, in order to focus on his Father. Jesus spent time studying the Word of God. He spent time in prayer. Jesus himself grew up spiritually. Jesus was not born with the Bible downloaded into his brain. He grew up in the knowledge of the Word of God by reading it, by studying it, by reflecting on it, so that he would be able at the right time to speak it and live it himself. Jesus himself grew up in his relationship with his Heavenly Father, and he cultivated this relationship through times of silence and reflection and prayer. And over time, in this practice, he learned to discern the voice of his Heavenly Father. We are called to be his disciples and to grow up spiritually in the same ways that he did. We are called to commit ourselves to certain practices that will enable us to be open to God, to open our hearts to the Spirit of God who will then be able to control our life, that we will live according to the Spirit rather than according to the flesh. That's what Paul means when he uses the flesh and the Spirit in that way. We commit ourselves and our energy into these practices so that the Holy Spirit will come and do his work of transforming in our lives. As we enter into these practices, we ask the Holy Spirit to use these to change us. We open our hearts and minds to him and ask the Spirit to change and to make us like Jesus, to make us people who routinely do what is good and right, to make us a people who are proficient in holiness. The kingdom of God is like two vineyard owners. Which one are you? Have you, over time, had to resort to going out and buying some grapes and hanging them up on your dead grapevine? Or are you doing the work of a good vineyard owner? Are you admitting that you have not already obtained all this? That you are a person who needs to confess that there are some branches in your life that need cut off, that need pruned? Second, are you a person who recognizes that God is there, active in every single circumstance in your life, trials as well as joys, seeking to make you more like Jesus? And third, have you committed yourself to spiritual practices that the Spirit will use to grow you up in Christ-likeness? Are you tending the soil of your inner life, Are you making sure that your heart is receiving the nourishment that it needs from the Word of God and through times of silence and solitude in prayer? Are you like that second vineyard owner? Or are you like the first? Have you become very good at looking like a Christian? Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we confess to you today that we are not very much like you. Lord, we do not love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. There are lots of those things that get more of our attention than you. We confess, Lord, that we do not love our neighbor nearly as much as ourselves. And so, Lord, we ask that in your mercy and in your grace that you would give us the courage to confess these things to our brothers and sisters, to bring these things into light, and to hear from them you are forgiven, and to walk in the power of that knowledge and that truth. I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see your life and your hand in every single circumstance in our life. To not see uh, the trials as obstacles that are keeping us from the real spiritual work, but we would see those with your eyes as ways, as means that you are using to make us like Christ. God, I pray that you would show us the different practices that we need to put into place in our life so that you, by your Spirit, will change our hearts, make us like Christ. Lord, help us to do the good work of a vineyard owner. Lord, forgive us for our striving and our trying to look like a Christian when you are here and you are ready to make us like Jesus himself. Amen.